630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The next opponent for your Edmonton Oilers is the Montreal Canadiens. The Habs lead Detroit 1-0 with five and a half minutes left in the first period tonight. Other NHL action also in the first period. Avalanche and Rangers are tied 2-2. McKinnon has his 26th of the season. After one, Philadelphia and Carolina in a 2-2 tie in the second period. Ottawa and Washington even at one. The Islanders are up 2-1 on the Devils. Jordan Everly has his fourth of the season. After the first, no score coyotes and panthers and the canucks who've been very good lately with a one nothing lead on the tampa bay lightning coming up later calgary is in chicago the penguins take on the golden knights couple other games as well but several pacific division teams in action so the oilers positioning as the third place team in the division could very well change tonight and yeah the Canucks looking for their eighth consecutive victory they already all are ahead of the Oilers when it comes to points percentage but the Oilers do have one more point Vancouver three games in hand been a pretty good road trip so far for the Oilers and a nice little highlight last night from Toronto. McDavid will transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rick shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley and then finishes off the Leafs by going upstairs on Hutchinson. You know, I knew Nuge was jumping and then the weak side D was jumping so I thought, you know, maybe give him a chance to, to make it an odd man rush, maybe two on one and, um, you know, and then just try to make a play. The bowing has begun here at Scotiabank Arena. Plus, completely in awe of the league's best player. I was amazed that he was looking for, waiting for people coming behind him the way he was looking. And then I guess we must have been changing or something, so he decided to do it himself. But if you watch the video, it's unbelievable. He doesn't ever look towards the goal, and then all of a sudden he's in front of it. So that's, uh, you know, that's, that's Connor being Connor. I told Louis de Bras, that's the nicest goal I've ever seen. That's just Connor to, you know, he. You could tell tonight he was playing with an edge, and um, yeah, that might have been the nicest goal I've seen. Just pure skill. That is obscene what Connor McDavid just did. I'm not going to give up any of my secrets, so um, <laughs> just try to make a play. I mean, you physically shouldn't be allowed to do that. And he went one-on-one against the Leafs best but it just undressed him. It's always fun to play here, um, and it's always fun to leave here as well. I know everybody's having a laugh at that comment. It's always fun to leave here. I don't think he was taking a shot at Toronto. I think he was saying it's always fun to come into a building on the road with a lot of hype and get the win, which, of course, the Oilers had not done in Toronto since 2010. Not that McDavid had never actually won in that city and had only beaten the Leafs once in his career. But a spectacular goal by McDavid. And I also found it funny listening to that, listening to his postgame last night, I'm, I'm not going to give away any of my secrets. To me, that's one of those things where even if he explained his entire thought process on that goal, very few players in the NHL could recreate it, even if they knew exactly what he was thinking. I mean, that, that'd like be, uh, be, be like a, a great artist or musician saying, yeah, yeah, here's what I'm thinking when I paint these masterpieces or when I play this guitar solo or, or compose this symphony. D- d- telling people what you're thinking doesn't mean others could just steal it and go out uh, and, and do it. But a, a brilliant goal by McDavid. I'm sure you have seen it 
dozens if not hundreds of times already on social media last night looking at Twitter after the game it was almost every second tweet somebody putting out a highlight of it our buddy Jack Michaels who calls the game on Chet and the Oilers radio network he has a nice little sync up of the video and uh, and his call for sure thanks a lot for tuning in tonight it's 10 minutes after 6 my name is Reed Wilkins it's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad, you can reach out by texting or calling. It's the same number, 780-496-0063. Peter writing in right away as I gave that update about Nathan McKinnon scoring tonight. He says, uh, Reed, it's also Nathan McKinnon's 500th career game. Yes, indeed it is, and he has scored a very nice goal this evening. The Toronto Raptors also in action. They lead the Portland Trailblazers 56-46. It's at the half. Raptors injury-riddled, coming in with a record of 24-12. and Portland at 15 and 22. Our buddy Blake Dermott's going to join us later on tonight, and this will be really interesting because the the XFL is starting up next month, and they are putting in some rules that are going to look quite unfamiliar in the world of football, including allowing two forward passes on the same play. Did you see this, Kellen? I heard about it this afternoon. But... You will be able to throw the ball forward twice on the same play, provided both are behind the line of scrimmage. Interesting. So you can't throw a 20-yard pass downfield to a receiver, and then he throws it further down the field. But you could throw a, you know, the, the hitch screen out to the wide receiver or even throw a screen pass to a running back, and then he could pull up and throw again. They're not going to have any kicking after touchdowns. You can attempt uh, a single-point convert from the two, a two-point convert from the five, or a three-point convert from the ten. And they also are changing the alignment on kickoffs and a couple of different rules on punts. So Blake Dermott will check in. That, that, that's that's pretty, pretty interesting. And, hey, hey, they're trying to get people to watch. There's this league in the uh, states called the NFL that tends to, to dominate the football culture down there when it comes to pro football. We'll see if uh, the XFL can win over some viewers with these new rules. So uh, I got thinking about the uh, the Connor McDavid goal last night and he scored several beauties over the years I'm putting that one in my top five as he undressed Morgan Riley last night and I uh, went through our archives and our buddy Jack Michaels on the call for all of these here are the uh, other four Connor McDavid goals in my top five off to Jordan Everly and now through the neutral zone comes Connor McDavid double team got it back wrist shot score what a beautiful move season is a work of art kept alive by Kara and he looks to clear with help from McDavid it gets gone Cassian left it for McDavid drive the net what a shot top right corner unbelievable two flyers draped all over him and in one motion McDavid buries his 30th of the year Drysaddle takes advantage hits McDavid center oh, oh man I can't believe the move he just pulled off the deep backhand and went upstairs for his 40th goal of the year and it was an absolute creation i can't believe it the fake backhand centering and then bringing it back and putting it upstairs 
Dreisaitl to Cassian. One touch to McDavid. Bursting down the seam to the net. Backhander. Oh, what a beautiful drag move. He deep backhanded that put it upstairs on the forehand. And I can't believe it, though I should by now. Connor McDavid, a brilliant goal. All right, to recap, in order. Goal against Columbus, February 2nd, 2016, when he came back from the broken clavicle and uh, went around a couple Columbus players and scored a great goal. Philadelphia, February 2nd of 2019. So exactly three years after the goal against Columbus, that's the one where he had three flyers draped on him from behind, able to score the goal. Uh, March of this year, March 28th, the goal against Dallas where he put the puck under his left leg, flipped it up into the net, and then the goal against Anaheim this season, just back on November 10th, where he fell down briefly, got up, was almost right beside the goal, stick-handled, and flipped it up short side. And then I would indeed put last night's goal in my top five. It, it's a fun list to do. Uh, good game by the Oilers last night. They got the lead up 3 nothing. The Leafs fought back. I mean, a lot of firepower in that game. The Leafs can score, no doubt about it. Freddie Anderson got the hook. Not sure if that was justified, and I think that affected the game. I'm not sure if Chason's goal goes in on Anderson. And Rob Brown made a great point last night. As great as McDavid's goal was, it's a different matchup for him going in there on Anderson because he and Hutchinson catch with different hands. So McDavid, And as Rob says, it's easier to score over the glove you know, it's the, the blocker's in the way a little more. You can hit the knob of the stick, the shaft of the stick. Uh, so McDavid able to pull that back and go over. The, no, it's Anderson. Maybe he just goes across on the backhand and tucks it in. Who knows? But uh, I, I didn't necessarily think that was a smart pull by the Leafs. But the Oilers able to get the 6-4 victory. They are 3-0-1 in their last four, showing some signs of life after that tough 15-game uh, stretch where they went 4-10-1. The Oilers are a pretty good road team, 13-9-2, 10th best road points percentage in the NHL at 23-17-5. I mentioned it off the top. They are third in the Pacific Division. They have played more games than a few teams around them. The Oilers' points percentage of 567 is 17th in the NHL, so right around the middle of the pack. They are going to have to play at a better pace than what they have been to get into the playoffs, but but they're right there in the fight. And as Rob always says about games in hand, they're great only if you win them. So at least for the teams who are trailing the Oilers with games in hand, they, they've put a little pressure on those teams to have to win those games. Some positive results for the Oilers. Yamamoto, I, Kyler Yamamoto, I think, has made a really big difference. A greater difference than I thought he would. I, I, I don't like to be one of those people that, that, oh, they call somebody up from the minors and he's the next big thing and he's going to revolutionize the team. I definitely thought he, could, he would make an impact and help balance out the lines. He's played better and have more of an impact than I thought he would. Now his challenge is going to be continuing that and, and finding a way to contribute night after night in the NHL. He's not playing a ton, usually between 14 and 16 minutes a night. He forechecks well. He's shown he can finish. He's shown that he can think the game with Dreisaitl and and, uh, Nugent Hopkins. Plays aren't just dying when the puck gets on his stick. He knows where to go. So good impact for him. The the goaltending's been better than it had been in much of December, especially Mike Smith. Good little run for him in three consecutive starts. It wouldn't surprise me if they go back to Koskinen on Thursday. But that's been good. So the Oilers are in the fight. They, uh, they're definitely in the fight. And uh, McDavid leading the way last night with uh, four points. It, it was interesting. Th- this caught my eye earlier today. 
And uh, you, you probably know this this gentleman. Uh, I mean, he is a very accomplished and acclaimed sports writer in this country. Um, his name is Bruce Arthur. He writes for the Toronto Star. He's uh, originally from British Columbia. I think he's been in Toronto almost uh, 20 years now. And uh, I was looking through Twitter this morning. He was actually, well, I went for a bit of a run this morning, indoors, not outdoors. I went to the rec center <laughs> and ran on the track. Um, but I, I saw this this tweet from him, and I was like, why would he, why would he possibly tweet this? Like, what's what's going on here? Why why is Bruce Arthur even uh, worried about this? And he's, he wrote, it still amazes me how many Oilers fans get mad when you say the organization hasn't been well run. And he's going back and forth with a, with just a, a lot of people, which on one level seems kind of odd to me because, like I said, he's he's an accomplished writer. He can write what he wants. He has an opinion. He's, he's very good at his job. Uh, and in my mind, if he wants to say something and can back it up or can have an opinion, he, sh- he, he should be able to say it. Um, so I read the column he wrote about. So he wrote a lot about McDavid's goal, and certainly he's, he's critical of, of uh, the Oilers as a franchise. And, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, that's low-hanging fruit to say that the Oilers have been, well, quite terrible for a long time. Um, but I, 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 the one sentence that caught my eye was he said years of McDavid's career's Sorry, I'll start that over. Years of McDavid's career are being wasted in Edmonton, which which I thought was was a bit of an interesting way to to word it. And I think that's what got a lot of people in this part of the world and Oilers fans uh, angry. I, I think, you know what? Yeah, he works in Toronto. Um, he writes about the Leafs a lot. He writes about other teams a lot. I, you know, I don't think he's a Leafs fan. That's where his career has taken him. We live in a country where a third of the population is in or around that city, so there's going to be a lot of coverage of things and teams going on in that part of the country. That That's just the way it is. Um, and I think for... This is just kind of my my take on this, and I, I talk to a lot of Oilers fans, obviously, but I think that the take on this is it's kind of like, you know, if you got a brother... And your brother is just a loser and an idiot. It's one thing for you to say, God, my brother is a loser and an idiot. But when somebody else says, geez, man, your brother's a loser and an idiot, you're like, hey, don't say that about my brother. He's my bro. Right? So certainly anybody who's an Oilers fan and here in oil country or an Oilers fan over the world, you know your team has stunk. And we talk about it all the time. I mean, a large part of my job is talking about that. And I mean, let's not mince words here. There are, what, 132 pro sports, 133 now with Vegas. Let's leave Vegas out of it because they've only been in the league for the last couple of years. I mean, over the last 10 years in the big four in North America, NHL, NBA, MLB, and uh, NFL, I mean, the Oilers have probably been a, one of the three worst franchises in the big four over that span. I mean, certainly the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Maybe the New York Jets would be down there. It's probably some. I mean, the 76ers were quite bad for a while, but they've been better the last the last couple of years. Uh, you know, the Buffalo Sabres haven't been very good. But, I but I mean, at, at best, the Oilers are ahead of five or six teams. And at worst, you could make an argument that, that they've been the, the worst franchise in North American pro sports over the last 10 years. So I say that living in Edmonton and it probably ticks people off a lot less than if somebody from another market said it and probably ticks people off a lot less uh, than if somebody from Toronto said it just because we tend to have that reaction um, to Toronto but 
you know, when he writes years of McDavid's career are being wasted in Edmonton, that's a different connotation than him saying the Edmonton Oilers are wasting years of Connor McDavid's careers. And and the last two years have been wasted. And the Oilers wasted pretty good years that Taylor Hall had because they weren't good enough as an organization, competent enough to put good players around these stars. Now, we'll see where the Oilers go this year. Like I said, they're in the playoff fight. We'll see where they go in the next couple of years. I know there's been a lot of bad years where there hasn't been improvement. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Bottom line is I don't. I, I'd like to be able to make predictions that are going to be accurate. I can't do that. Um, but when when Bruce words it like that, and, and I think this is what ticked people off, when he words it like that, years of McDavid's career are being wasted in Edmonton, I think he's he's punching that nerve where... The, it, people feel like the connotation is, oh, he should be removed from Edmonton. Like the NHL should step in and, and he should, you know, he should go, he should be, go to a different team because Edmonton's not good enough for him. Which I don't think is what he means. You know, I think he's saying the organization hasn't been good enough to support McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Hall, Everly. We can go back and back and back. Um, but, but I think that because there's, you know, Toronto wasn't dro- involved in that draft lottery. He's from that area. There's always going to be all that. I remember all the, like, the body language experts that all of a sudden were coming out after the draft lottery and Edmonton was picked. I, I mean, it just goes it just goes on and on and on. I guess it's part of the drama and part of the rivalries that exist between some of the Canadian cities in the in the, in the NHL. But anyway, I was surprised uh, a media personality of Bruce's stature would feel he has to uh, argue with everybody. But if he wants to conduct himself, he wants to conduct himself. Again, and look, I think I... I I live under these circumstances in the job I have. Bruce has them. If you're a business person, you live under these circumstances. If you don't like what he's written, if you don't like what he's putting out there as a product, whether it's someone in the media, a restaurant, a filmmaker, a car dealership, whatever, don't support it. So if you've taken shots at Bruce today on Twitter, you know, fine. But, hey, you're welcome to ignore him if you don't like what he's writing. Fred on line one. Go ahead, Fred. Well, I've just been driving and listening to you, and you know what? Who cares what they say out of Toronto? Just tell me one thing. Uh, how many Stanley Cups have they got in the last 53 years? Well, none. But, I, but again, I don't... I, I don't uh, the, to me, that's part of the fun banter between the fans. I, but, like, Bruce doesn't work for the Maple Leafs. He doesn't represent the Maple Leafs. He wrote that article with his perspective on the Oilers, and he happens to write for the Toronto Star. Like, is he wrong that the Oilers haven't done very well? He's not wrong, Fred. No, not but I'm at saying all. People t- but I'm saying, you know, I think he worded it in a way where he knew he was going to probably get some reaction. I just don't know why he does something that's going to get some reaction and then act shocked that he's getting reaction. Like, certainly he's smarter than that, or should be. Well, you'd think so, but it's all to sell newspapers and get reaction out of fans. You know, when I heard it, I just think, whatever, who cares? The Oilers win. Uh, the boys looked great last night. And, you know, this team's uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Like, the start of the year, they looked fantastic. Then they went to that rough patch in December. Now they're looking again, like, start of the year, they beat Boston, Toronto. Uh, the, the game I want to win Saturday night, of course, Montreal. They should win, but should wins don't count in hockey. And I don't know, Reed. I think good times are ahead. And we do have to start winning soon because the years of McDavid are going to fly by and the window is very short. And we know 
Well, we have to have a Stanley Cup. We have to. All right, Fred. You got the two best players in the world. You have to have a Stanley Cup. Don't you agree? All right, Fred. Well, yeah, for sure. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. We're going to take a timeout for the uh, news and weather. Hal Gill is going to check in. Colorado's for the Nashville Predators, who are currently playing. So we taped this with Hal this afternoon. He'll have some perspective on uh, the McDavid goal last night. And the Predators, coaching change. Where do they go from here? Can they claw back into the race? That's next, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. with John Hines now as their head coach. They fired Peter Laviolette yesterday, trailing the Bruins 1-0 with about five minutes left in the first period. Talk to Hal Gill out of the Predators broadcast booth this afternoon as he's working right now, but we'll get to that conversation in about a minute and a half. Sharks and Blues scoreless in the first. Montreal up 1-0 on Detroit early in the second period. Also in the second, 2-2 Avalanche and Rangers. Carolina is up 4-2 on Philly. Capitals lead the Senators 3-1. It's 2-2 Islanders and Devils. It's 2-2 Coyotes and Panthers. And it's now 3-2 the Lightning leading the Canucks. Kalorn just scoring his 17th of the season. Later, Calgary is in Chicago. That one actually starts in a few minutes. Penguins take on the Golden Knights, and it's the Blue Jackets up against the Ducks. Oilers in Montreal on Thursday, 3.30 face-off show. The game will start at 5 here on 6.30. Chad Raptors leading Portland 71-60. That's with 4.58 left in the third quarter. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, Down South Comfort Food. Creative take on Southern Classics spun with a modern twist, NorthChickenYEG.com. They're on 124th Street, just north of 107th Avenue. Great spot. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text Hal Gill, radio color analyst for the Nashville Predators, who made a coaching change. Hal, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Some big news down here in Nashville. It's a little crazy. It's a hockey town. Yeah, well, I, w- I want to ask you about that. The, the Predators have been interesting to follow this year, maybe in a different way than they've been interesting in other seasons. But I, I got to jump right in here with the, the topic over the last 24 hours in oil country, and that is Connor McDavid's goal. And you played defense in the National Hockey League for a long time. Uh, what did you think? <laughs> what did you see on that play? That just uh, uh, just toying with minds out there. And I, I feel for Riley. I, I know that uh, when you see a guy look back like that, you're like, okay, he's going to hit the trailer. What's the trailer? The second you take your eyes off McDavid and you lose a step, He's already gotten four, and that was an impressive move, and that kind of speed burst should not be allowed. I think that's that's, that's too extreme. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. you're right. I mean, just watching that on, on TV in the studio, I thought, okay, he's, slowly, he's slowing down, he's seeing who's coming, and then, and then bang, he goes, he goes right to the net. I mean, you've probably been in that situation where you've had a guy coming down where 
you just didn't know what he was going to do or, or he fooled you. I, I, I hate to ask this. I've, you know, I've asked you questions in the past about winning Stanley Cups and scored some big goals, but I got to ask you what here. Did you ever have that moment where it was like, oh, man, he, he got me? Because you played against some pretty skilled guys in your time too. Yeah, well, you know what? Every I feel like every player has a different move. And for, um, you know, Pavel Bure, with that speed that he had, you know, he kind of put it into a spot, throw the puck into a spot where you're like, should I try to poke check this? Should I try to get the puck or should I just worry about the man? And if you make the wrong decision, uh, he'll make you pay for it and he's by you. Um, I do remember one time where I thought, Timo Solani was going at full speed, and it turns out he, he had like an eighth gear, and he blew by me. And and uh, but the, the change of speed is is tough to play against, and that's where you know that's what those guys have is that extra gear that you don't you think you might have a step on them, but it, it goes away pretty quick. You know, if if that happens to a defenseman like Riley in a game. As a teammate, do you do you try to just go up to him and and laugh it off, or or just leave him alone for a while? What's what's the best way to handle that? Uh, Dave Dave Elliott always uh, my old teammate in Boston had a had a great line, and I learned it early. And I always came back to the bench and I said, if you want me to stop him, you're going to have to pay me just as much as him. So. Uh, <laughs> How do you expect me to stop him when he makes three times as much as I do? And so, um, you know, that was <laughs> that's the kind of thing. Sometimes you just got to tip your hat. And and uh, as a defenseman, it's tough. You know, you, you stop a guy uh, ten times through a game, but that one time when he makes you embarrassed, uh, it, it doesn't look good. So and it ends up everywhere. So um, it's a tough job being a defenseman, but uh, someone's got to try and stop Connor McDavid to the world. Hal Gill joining us tonight, inside sports analyst for the Nashville Predators, who yesterday fired head coach Peter Laviolette. The Predators are 19-15-7, Hal. They don't have a horrible record, but they don't have a good record. They do have some games in hand on teams that they're chasing, but David Poyle decides to make a move, something he's not done a lot in his career as a general manager is, is fire a coach. Tell us how you kind of see the move, and maybe even more importantly, the, the build-up to this change being made. Yeah, uh, it, it's tough. You know, last year the Preds had some problems. Their the early exit against Dallas, it was it was tough, and the power play stunk. And they tried to adjust that, and they went out and got and tried to focus on scoring more goals. And the Preds came out, and the beginning of the season, the power play was good, and the, they were scoring a ton of goals and winning games. And then it got away from them. It, you know, after ten games where they thought they were pretty good. It got away from them. They struggled. Uh, the power play started to fizzle. The penalty kill, which has always been good, fizzled at times. And now it's kind of gone sour. Uh, it just seems like everything has has gone away from this team. And they had a glimpse. It's a four-game road trip where they went to New York, played a back-to-back in New York, and played really well and scored some goals. And you said, okay, the team's back. And then it was just followed up with inconsistency. And back to back against Pittsburgh right after Christmas really stung. They were just, they just looked bad. Uh, the systems broke down. And for whatever reason, the, they weren't playing for Lavi. And, and Lavi couldn't get him to play um, if it was his system or if the, the players were going on their system, there was a disconnect. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that David Poyle gave it uh, enough time to see if it'll settle things out. He believes in Lavi, and eventually I think that, that you just thought that maybe the message wasn't being sent to the players. And ultimately, he's Poyle has called out the players and said this is about them, but uh, you need to make a change at some point to make sure that they're going. So, uh, So here we are with John Hines coming in. Well, and it's going to be interesting to watch the Predators. They, they do have a positive goal differential, not by a lot, but they are plus five, and the Oilers are minus five, by the way. Usually that goal differential is an indicator of being in a playoff spot or not. Now, uh, Nashville's five points behind Winnipeg for the wild card, couple games in hand. They're seven points out of third in the division. And they're halfway through their schedule. I'm just curious your perspective, because it is getting to the time of the year, though, where five, six, seven points, Hal, it, it's not easy to make up. Like it's not as easy as just saying, "Well, you got to win three in a row." The problem is, other teams are going to win two or three during that span as well. I'm just wondering how you see. Like, do you, do you view the Predators as being in a hole here, or do you view it as no, no? There's still half the season they can go on a run. Well, I'll go back to, you know, if if I'm David Poyle looking at this team, I look at our goaltending. It's Saros and Rene have been. The, the, probably the best tandem in the, in the league for a few years. Um, I like them. I love the defense. Uh, Ryan Ellis is injured. Fabro is injured, but he has been playing really well. Um, of course, Roman Yossi, I think, is the best defenseman in the game. Uh, Matthias Ekholm is a beast. They've gotten contributions from their fifth and sixth guys. Uh, and then you go through the, the, the third line, the fourth line, have been dominating they've been good they've been great they've been helping win games when they can uh the top six i wouldn't change them but they haven't been performing so maybe a a new coach coming in puts that together Uh, you know you know how it goes when the top six start to play then your power play comes around and then you start to get some goals on your power play you start to put them together and you, you get goals from the first and second lines and wins start to pile up, and if you have all those other pieces around to, to help them out, so um, I, I don't think this is going to be a problem for them to climb back in. I think it's a matter of of just taking it one game at a time, and I, I think you're going to see this team crawl back in. I, I I'm hoping with the coaching change they can lock down the defensive zone. That's been a, an Achilles heel for them. And I think once that happens, they'll be a much better team and they'll get all the other things around it to come together. All right, that is Hal Gill, analyst for the Nashville Predators, who uh, you heard him say it, thinks the Predators are going to get back into the race here in the Western Conference. Peter Laviolette fired as head coach John Hines now on the bench and the Predators are playing today and they trail Boston one nothing after the first period. I love the line he had there when he played. He got it from Dave Ellett that if you got beat by a, an offensive player like McDavid beat Riley last night, if you want me to stop him, you got to pay me as much as him. I <laughs> don't know if coaches would like that if they heard that on the bench, but uh, that that's a good line. It, it, it does happen, obviously, and McDavid with a spectacular goal last night. Okay, we, uh, we're going to get to some fun stuff here a little bit. Uh, just I want to get to that story about the Russian World Junior television broadcast in case you missed that it was uh, pretty entertaining and could the oilers next call up the next young contributor could it be tyler benson all coming up inside sports on 6 30 chat
to the 7 o'clock news. We'll visit with our Eskimos analyst, Blake Dermott. We will talk a little bit about some rules in the XFL, the new football league that starts play next month south of the border. And there are some very innovative changes to say the least we will get Blake's take on those and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs as well Blake a big fan of the New England Patriots and Tom Brady who were eliminated on Saturday night by Derek Henry and the Tennessee Titans also today we'll catch up with Brendan Burke goaltender for the U of A Golden Bears hockey team he got to be the third goaltender for Team Canada at the Spengler Cup and Canada won gold in that event. Brendan didn't get to play, but still a pretty cool experience, so he will weigh in on that. Uh, this texter says, I'm not denying that McDavid completely undressed Riley, but Riley being tricked into McDavid waiting for the trailer was a bad read on Riley's part. There were three Leafs around Nugent Hopkins, leaving a little spot for that pass. Well... It's usually what happens when there's a spectacular goal. Somebody makes a, a good play and maybe somebody makes a bit of a mistake. You know, having said that, the, the burst by McDavid to get by him was, uh, was pretty amazing. Uh, this texter says, Reed, check the Oilers' record since 1992, 92-96, absolutely horrible. 60-point seasons and with 84 games. The half-dozen years the Oilers made the playoffs between 97 and 06, they were always in the dead last playoff spot, barely scraping in. It's been a massive disappointment for the team since 92. No realistic chance of being a cup contender even once since 92. Even the 06 run, at no point during those playoffs were they viewed as a contender. They were upstart. They were an upstart bunch that caught fire. That was all. Not good enough since 1992. Well, he, I mean, it's been a long time since the Oilers have had a really good team. That is very true. Um, I don't. They weren't always the last playoff speed uh, seed between '97 and '06. I think they were as high as sixth one year. Uh, I don't know about '06. I think there was a point in the playoffs when people started saying the Oilers team was for real. I mean, they got they got uh, Rolson at the trade deadline, and they went to Game Seven of the Cup Final. So clearly, they had a pretty good chance to win. But the overall spirit of that text is correct. It has been a long time since the Oilers have been an elite franchise, and the peaks of the franchise have not been very high. When they made the playoffs in 2017, in fact, that was the first time they had home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs since 1990. So it had been 27 years uh, since they'd been, you know, a top two seed in their division or a top four seed in the conference, depending on how the playoffs were done. I, I mean, he's right. There's been, I mean, we talk a lot about the 10 years out of the playoffs, but true, the... 15 or so years before that decade of darkness started, you know, 607. It's not as exactly as the Oilers were knocking it out of the park either. So, fair comment. I, I just want to get to this story here. We we talked to Slava Malamud on the Faceoff show yesterday. Kellen's already chuckling at the, at the thought of, uh, of of catching this part. I, I just want to play the the one clip because what happened on Sunday? Canada beat Russia in the World Junior Gold Medal game. But some Russians initially thought that Russia had won the game. It had, and it had nothing to do with the puck hitting the camera or, or anything. So Slava Malamud, a freelance sports writer from Russia, lives in the United States. He's going to explain what happened. Typically a Russian story. That's what happened. Uh, the uh, rights to broadcast the uh, World Juniors uh, were bought by Match TV, which is basically like the Russian version of TSN or ESPN. It's their main uh, sports channel. 
And they were broadcasting the entire tournament until uh, it became obvious Russia is going to go into the final. And at that point, they were called in no uncertain terms from people uh, directly in, um, in Vladimir Putin's administration that they had to give up that right to broadcast the final and give it over to Channel One, which is the, the number one government-owned channel in Russia, which has a wider audience and which is uh, uh, the director of Channel One is Putin's uh, hand-picked uh, friend. So, uh, you know, you don't say no to Putin in Russia because, you know, Match TV is also owned by the government. And uh, they they had to do it. But uh, they suddenly have this hole in their programming and they need to plug in at the last moment. So what they did is they broadcasted the 2011 uh, final, which was also Russia versus Canada. So a lot of a lot of people who are tuned in to match TV as they always did to watch to watch hockey watched hockey, but it was the wrong game and they had no idea. And both games were tied three three in the third period at some point. So even if they were checking uh, checking the scores online, you know that that was still all match up. So there was all all that confusion. And uh, by the end of the game, those people who were watching. Match TV all poured onto uh, into the internet, into the social media, and started celebrating. And that included some Russian lawmakers and sports stars. So Russia Canada was supposed to be on the sports station. Russia makes the final. Putin says put it on the other station. So the sports station runs a replay of Canada Russia from 2011. Now Slava also said later in that interview because I asked him, well, didn't people realize? that they were watching players who are now in the NHL in the World Junior Final. And he said, you know, hockey's big in Russia, but still not big to that point. People would want to see Russia-Canada, but they wouldn't necessarily know that some of these players are now older and in the NHL. And that was the game in Buffalo. It was 3-3 for a bit in the third, but Russia came from behind to beat Canada in that game, the flip of what happened on Sunday. So that's why you had... Some Russian people celebrating gold on Sunday. The Oilers' next game will be in Montreal on Thursday. Kyler Yamamoto has played four games since being called up. The Oilers have gone 3-0-1 in that stretch. He has two goals and an assist. A lot of speculation about if or when Tyler Benson will be called up from the farm. Jay Woodcroft is the coach of Benson with the Bakerfields Condors. He was talking to Bob Stoffer. He's different than Yamamoto. They represent different dimensions. I think uh, his game is very similar uh, to where it was last year in this in so far as uh, it's not that he lit up the first half of the regular season last year, but right around this time is when his line took off last year and, and he started putting up uh, the numbers that he's put up his entire life. And, and I see a lot of similarities in his year this year. Um, Post-Christmas, uh, I think there's a direct correlation between how the team is performing and the jump I see in his step post-Christmas. I think he's uh, was energized coming out of the break. I think that line's been a factor. They certainly were responsible for our two goals that uh, we scored. Uh, the first two goals on Friday, or first few goals on Friday night, and then uh, they played a solid game the next night as well. I think um, he is uh, a player that when you're around him every day, you come to appreciate what he brings to the table. He can make a play. And uh, you know what? The one thing I think 
that I don't talk enough about, and certainly I don't think uh, people that aren't around our team talk about enough uh, with him, is what a great teammate he is. Popular guy, uh, supports his teammates. Uh, when other people have been called up over the last year and a half, he doesn't worry about it, he doesn't fret about it, he just goes about his daily business. And uh, when his roommate got called up, there was no one happier uh, for Yamo than, than Benson. So he's a professional, he's working at his craft, it, it, and he's in a good spot doing that. It's some, something that we continue to push on a daily basis with him and the rest of our team. Jay, does he skate? I mean, you were in the NHL a long time. Uh, you know the difference between the two leagues. Does Benson skate well enough to play in the NHL? Well, what I would say is I, I don't, when I think of Benson, I don't think his dimension is his um, ability to go from one end to the other and take someone on and, and that type of thing. Uh, I don't think that's what sets him apart. Yet, I don't feel that his skating is uh, something of, of a detract detractor. I've seen in my time in that league uh, lots of players with uh, comparable skating and some with worse skating than him uh, go on to have successful careers. Where Tyler is fastest is between the ears. He works to get into position. He finds a way to think the game a step or two ahead, and that's what makes him a fast player. And when he is uh, performing at that level and he's putting the work in required, uh, I don't see why he couldn't skate at the National Hockey League level. A little bit there from Jay Woodcroft, coach of the Bakersfield Condors, and, uh, and maybe, maybe once we get into February, we will see Tyler Benson playing with the Edmonton Oilers. 6.58, Blake Dermott. Some interesting new rules in the XFL. Our football analyst will tell you what he thinks when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.